This is Alan Appel, and you are listening to This Day in New Haven History on WNHH 103.5 FM and streaming live at newhavenindependent.org, community radio in the Elm City. Thank you for joining me on our time-traveling machine, and I'm here in it with my usual co-pilot, Jason Bischoff-Worsel from the New Haven Museum. Hi there, Jason. Hi, Alan. I like your helmet today. Thank you. It's shiny with... Uh little doodads that look like I'm from space because I am on Halloween. It's October 31 and stars in my eyes. And you are taking us um to uh an aspect of uh Halloween or what happened maybe the day after Halloween back in the uh, incredible year of 1834. Yes. So tell us about the publication and why you chose the year if you if you if you have a, a reason for choosing it but uh, I, I know why you chose the story of dentistry. Uh, well, that one we can come to pretty easily. Um, we, the, da- the Daily Herald, right? Yes, we're, we're going back to the Daily Herald this week, all from the year 1834. And um, as far as a choice, it just seemed to work. There were several different years under consideration, but we found a lot of good stuff here. And uh, looking forward to to seeing what was happening here in New Haven in 1834 as the month of November began. Now, last week we did, the, the year we did was 1911 in the run-up to Halloween, and we had some interesting stories from the year 1911 about the kind of the pre-trick-or-treat era where there was a week of mischief, including the burning down of a house in Westville. Yes. And so this is... Uh, uh, this is a continuation of that. And I love the year because like 1911, it's like a weird year. It's like not a major right. year. It's an in-between right. year. Yeah. It's not a presidential election year, for example. 1834? No, I, I checked that out. It's 1836. Oh. So this is this is midterm Halloween. There you go, midterm Halloween. Well, yes, and actually today we'll be talking about something that's pertinent to today being Halloween. And if you missed our Halloween episode, be sure to go to uh, uh, W. NHH Community Radio on SoundCloud, and you can hear all the programs there anytime. And uh, today, though, we're going to be talking about dentistry in 1834 here in New Haven. Um, And uh, following up on our previous episode, again, mentioning that candy came about and treats, the idea of trick-or-treating really is just kind of literally that, Uh, offering someone a treat rather than having them pull a trick on you and vandalize your house or your property. Because those tricks were serious. Yes, they were, quite. That was more of a 20th century thing. And so as it's showing up here in 1834, Halloween itself, as we know it, really was kind of inconsequential. It wasn't an established... Uh, holiday by any means, and really not as as heavily influenced because in 1834, for instance, uh, the Irish immigration was just starting well, that's to a good really point. take off. So the leprechauns town. and the sprites had not arrived in New Haven. The Celtic in, traditions in, yes. in, num- in, in numbers sufficient yes. to to knock over uh, outhouses and other pranks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and people weren't having the bonfires in the fields to to. Uh, to scare off the spirits, uh, yeah, exactly. If you if you follow the the more uh, the Celtic traditions, uh, hadn't been carried over just as yet. I'm sure there was a, a lot of folk tales involved with this particular time of year. But again, the 
traditions and traditions such as uh, our commonly known Thanksgiving, which we celebrate later in October or November, rather, that was a floating holiday, and often it was just something that was uh, that was you know you you would give thanks. Literally, you'd you'd give thanks just as soon as you got through a good patch. Right, and so, but these pieces you've brought in, I guess, on some level, um, somebody is going to give thanks to um, these dentists. the establishment of uh, dental offices here in New Haven, because um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, I don't know if people associated eating sweets and sugar with tooth decay at this point, but in any event, um, you know, my guess is even though um, there was no trick-or-treating, as we know it, probably in 1834. People might have indulged a, a lot, and, um, and teeth weren't in great shape in general anyway. Yeah, yeah, it so, wouldn't be in great shape. And um, and we've addressed the dental, uh, the history of dentistry before, uh, in last year, I think. I believe so, yes. But anyway, yes. so tell us what we have here in the Daily Herald. And... Um, Today we've got three examples of practices in 1834 here in New Haven. Three different dentists. And uh, we begin with the dentist's removal because he was about to move his uh, practice. Dr. Hawley has removed his office to rooms over Mr. Eli B. Austin's store in Chapel Street, next east of the exchange buildings. Dr. Hawley performs all kinds of operations upon the teeth. Thanks for past favors. He hopes for a continuation of public patronage. That's a very nice way of putting it. NB for sale and at the store of LK Dow, Hawley's on, uh, uh, how would you say this? Odontologic yes. or toothache pills. Ooh, a sure remedy for the toothache. So it seems that Dr. Hawley was making his own special toothache concoctions. Right, because uh, 1834, um, you know, I mean, dental pain is bad. I think one of the episodes of this day in New Haven history, uh, um, I tried to perform it. I don't know if our listeners picked up on it when I was <laughs> in the midst of... Um, uh, what do you call it? root root canal pain? Yes. And I don't know whether Doctor Holly's toothache pills would have helped. <laughs> However, it was recommended here, having repeatedly witnessed the relief following the use of Doctor Holly's toothache pills, and having been made acquainted with their composition. I can cheerfully recommend them as worthy of the attention of those afflicted with this painful affection. I have no doubt but that a great many teeth might be saved and be useful for years after by the timely use of this remedy. Yeah, I mean, there's this recommendations and then quotations and it's signed by V.M. Dow, a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the equivalent of late-night TV recommendations yeah. by, um, by fading television stars. Yes, <laughs> yes, and they actually do go on to mention some other uh, perhaps faded luminaries here in 1834 in New Haven. The following persons concur in the above recommendation. Sherman Blair, William W. Harrison, Rodney Burton, Guy O. Hotchkiss, that name is a, rings a bell. He's a street. It does. J.O. Parmalee. All of New Haven. <laughs> Apparently. And somebody named Stetson of, of Yale, Yale College. College. So all these people took the toothache, toothache pills. It's 1834, and you know, 
uh, it, it this reminded me of a previous episode that we did about um, the guy who um, is credited with um, creating pain-free dentistry. He is a nutmegger, Horace mm-hmm. Wells. Yes, from Hartford. Yes, uh, he didn't make it down to New Haven, but but he is credited. Uh, I think ten years later in 1834, with having. Um, this is weird. He, he, he was a dentist, and a, a Jason, apparently he went to Union Hall in Hartford to see a demonstration of nitrous oxide, which they call laughing gas, mm-hmm. and it was put on by a kind of P.T. Barnum character. And um, Sounds appropriate. So Wells noticed that one of the volunteers in the show, while he was ingesting the gas and acting silly to the amusement of the audience, he slammed his leg into a table very hard, didn't bother him a bit. Right. So Wells uh, talked to the man and found out that he was utterly unaware that anything had happened. Yeah. So that was the trigger to um, develop something that might take the place of these toothache pills. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Yes. I wonder, though, how he felt after the laughing gas wore off. Uh, apparently, yeah. Well, we, I, I, I didn't read that far in Dr. Wikipedia, <laughs> but uh, I do know that Wells actually um, did a demonstration of this up at the Harvard Medical School mm-hmm. uh, once he took it to the next step. And, and, and apparently, um, he was pronounced a, a, like a charlatan by the, by the uh, academic doctors. Again, there was this tension right. between academic doctors and these people who were trying to figure things out in a kind of um, entrepreneurial, tinkering way. Right, right. But apparently, Wells's patient in, in front of the Harvard Medical Faculty was moaning during the procedure, the extraction of a tooth. But after the thing was over, he said he had no pain at all. He was just kind of sleeping. But it, it still delayed the, the spread of um, the, the acceptance the acceptance of it for at least 10 years. Well, what was accepted here in 1834 were operations on the teeth by J.B. Wheat. J.B. Wheat. Yes. And uh, they go on to mention Silaneus. Silicius. We're having some time today with the, uh, the older English here. Well, that's one of the charms of a, of a newspaper from 1834. The, the writing is, uh, it, it has more, uh, less recognizable language. Yes, yes. I love it. Read Me- along. Metallic and other artificial teeth set. Natural teeth set. Teeth stopped with gold. Decayed portions removed. Teeth separated. Changing of children's teeth. What does that mean, changing of children's teeth? I'm not sure. I guess when children's teeth fall out and the new ones come in and there are issues related to that. Or maybe the new ones don't come in and they had to put other ones in. I don't know. Mm. That's a little strange. Teeth or roots extracted. Teeth cleaned and whitened. Irregularities remedied. And then there's a little hand telling you yes. which is your indication of the here are the directions. And his office was located in a brick dwelling on Crown Street nearly opposite the Franklin House. What's the Franklin House? That doesn't ring a bell for me. It does not ring a bell at the moment for me either. It would probably have been some sort of perhaps tavern. Okay. And then and then right below that there is yet another dentist. So I guess they all advertise I'm, I, I, in these uh, 
newspapers from 1834, did did they group the advertisements by... They really, I mean, by, what, what you had on a consistent basis, um, and often, you know, going back to your question of picking years or what have you, right. and uh, and for our listeners out there, too, you, you get a lot of the same... Um, the same ads, essentially. I mean, really, the funny thing is that print was really ad-based as it continues to be. The press continues to be ad-based. And uh, so you had these... I, my, my best take on it is it was easy to set the paper so you didn't have to change as much when you when you pressed it again. And also, it was just really a matter of what was newsworthy. I have seen in this same uh, publication, The Herald them actually come right out and say there was no news today <laughs> so <laughs> you know and uh God, words we have to talk can... about something here so <laughs> words you don't utter anymore yes no but so, so in other words an ad for like a dental parlor would be set in type at the at the print shop yes and then and then dr wheat would would come in and more or less the same lingo uh, the only thing that would be different would be the name and the location Yes. That would make sense because yeah. it was laborious to set type. And they would and it would just keep this type going as long as it was sponsored. So say they paid for four months, a month, six months, then they would keep running the ad. There you go. And then intersperse that with uh daily news and uh, news that they were receiving. At this point, we, we make a lot of mention often of the wire, et cetera. This was previous to the wire. So how they would receive their outside news in 1834 here in New Haven was by mail. So you'd either hear it from the stagecoach drivers or you'd hear it from the mail that was being delivered by steamboat uh, to uh, New Haven Harbor and Long Wharf. So would, would there be packets of, let's say, broadsides or announcements from different cities yes. that would come and then, right, because a lot of the, cause these early New Haven newspapers are printing notices uh, from New York and from Boston. Yes. So you'd get those in on the boat and... Right. They just drop them right in and yes. that becomes local news. Yep. But in this case, these are really local guys. Now, here's another one. Why don't you read that and then... Because um, my teeth are beginning to hurt, actually. Are they? Are they? Yes. All that this. candy. L.F. Morrill has the honor to inform his friends in the public that he will remain in this city during the summer and will be happy to attend any calls in the line of his profession... Rooms at the corner of Orange and Chapel Streets. Entrance in Orange Street. I would imagine that whatever rooms these guys let would have to be like behind a barn or with lots of bricks so so the people outside the windows and the patients don't hear the excru <laughs> excruciating screaming. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I'm obsessed with dental pain. I don't know about you, but uh, can you imagine? Um, I don't even, what would be the treatment to reduce the pain? Rum or... Um, whiskey. Whiskey. Yeah. Rum, whiskey. My father once put whiskey on my teeth when I was about five or six years old when I had a toothache. And I remember the whiskey. Right. But I don't think it did much for the pain. <laughs> well, Jason, thank you for bringing us back to the the wonderful world of painful dentistry in the year 1834 in the Elm City. And uh, uh, happy Halloween. And happy Halloween. Be sure to brush your teeth tonight twice. Right. And, uh, and I hope uh, you young listeners out there get plenty of Hershey Kisses and Malamars, our favorite. See you next time.